0: and brings actual hope. And so I got to admit, I, I feel a little just like, like, I feel like the whole world for the last two months has been, it's been this like competition to see who can say the most clever thing, like the most insightful thing and the most like, this is what's really going on in the world. Let me tell, you know, it's like, who's gonna like have the one liner that sums it all up. And what's the perspective that we need to believe and follow? And it's kind of like, you know, and I was like, here I am after all of this going on in the last two weeks and that intensity, I really feel very unqualified to try to like say something profound that's going to answer everything. Um, But that's why we are going to look at God and his word, because he is the one who brings us all together. And I believe he does have, he does have truth and hope and faith that he wants to impart to us this morning and in this season of our lives. I know some of us were praying this morning, um, and we do, we're re-kicking off our Sunday morning 915 prayer over in the other room across the lobby, so everybody's welcome to come to that. And um, I think something really profound was said, and I just forgot what it was (laughs) as we were praying. What was I saying anyway? Oh my goodness. Uh, Like I said, yeah, someone else should be up here talking. But there's God, oh, this is what it was. Bailey prayed. She said, You know, just thank, I think it was Bailey, but my brain's a little addled, so it could be somebody else. But somebody said, You know, God, thank you for what you've been doing in our lives during the last two and a half months. And thank you for all the ways you've been showing up in people's lives individually, that you've been faithful and you've been present and you're bigger than any situation in the world and you always you've been faithful to us and as we're coming together you're the one who's faithful and i just thought that was so profound so true and really god is the one who who as we've been worshiping and singing he's the one who meets us where we are his his life his presence his death his resurrection is what the world needs it's what we need and that is that is what we're looking to i I know a couple couple days ago i was out of town that a couple other churches in town the well and Manhattan Christian Fellowship got together and had a conversation about, about the divisions in our world and the divisions between black and white. And the Wells, a predominantly white congregation and Manhattan Christian Fellowship is majority African-American congregation. And those, I, I know the, the leaders of those churches and great people. And I just heard so much good feedback about, yeah, this is like really what we need. And I wasn't surprised because throughout history, The ones, I'm encouraged on the one hand that there are millions of people that are saying, man, something needs to be done. Something needs to be done. But the reality is, is that not because of anything that we can take pride in, but because of God, it's always God's people who actually bring change in the world. It's not just ideology. It's not just energy or passion or anger although we need all that in its proper place but it's transformed hearts and it's transformed relationships and that happens on from the ground up grassroots person to person life on life and that's what the church is all about and I feel like I just preached my whole message here there, there are some bible verses that talk about this so <laughs> we're gonna look at that but that's really like it's, it's good to be Coming together, you know, this recently Congress, there was, there were some rules passed in the U S Congress about, um, because of COVID-19 and people practicing social distancing. And so there were some adjustments to the rules to say that you could do proxy voting so that instead of legislators, congressmen and senators having to be there in person to, to vote, one person could be there and represent 10 people. And vote for them and that was passed really without much um, protest or anything but there's been some discussion like is that really okay because this is the Constitution like this has never been done before and I was thinking about that that you know there really is something that you miss when you don't come together in person yeah. like we wouldn't want our Congress acting like that all the time where because there's something about you come together you need to hear from people you need to interact with people you need to get something from one another in person, that there's just no other way for that to happen. And so it's good that we're coming together in this time and, and other times. Um, I want to look at, we're, we are going to look at the Bible, Acts chapter 13. This is a description of one of the early churches in the early history of the church in the, this is the, the first initial years after Jesus resurrected and returned to heaven, and in Acts 13, Verses 1 through 3. Let's just read this, this little snippet of a story. We read, Now there were in the church at Antioch. I just want to tell you, because I keep forgetting stuff, um, to set you up. We're gonna, I'm going to talk a little bit, and then we're gonna, you all have at your tables different pieces of paper in the middle that have different scriptures. And it's different. Most of them on your tables are different from the other tables. We're going to have a time later. Don't look at it yet. But, um, just because, you know, it's, it's good stuff. But we're going to have a chance to, like, look at this description of what God's people are called to be and do and talk about it at your tables and then apply it. So just, you know, get you going there. So, but in Acts 13, we read, Now there we're in the church at Antioch, which Antioch was a city in, in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. So already we're seeing, like, the gospel is spreading, not just from the original monocultural people, of the Jewish people, but it's spreading throughout the world to this this other culture. And, and, and Antioch was a very international city. It was part of the Roman Empire, but it was on the crossroads, the roads heading to Persia and heading to India. So it was a big trade center. And so there were people in this city from all over the world, very multi-ethnic place. And the church, we're going to see, is taking on that flavor like nothing else does, because that's what the church does. I just want to say that, like there is no other organization, no other group in the world that brings different people together as well as spirit-filled churches. If you want to look around the world and see where people that have historically been in animosity come together, it is spirit-filled churches around the world. Because that's just what happened since the day of Pentecost. God's Spirit being poured out brings people together. So we see this here. So Antioch is, is there. And in, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. And it's going to list some of them. Barnabas. Barnabas, we, we learned earlier in the book um, what, of Acts, was from the island of Cyprus. So that's a whole different nationality kind of people. Different skin complexion going on in Cyprus. But Barnabas, that's where he's from. Simeon, who is called Niger. And we don't know for sure where Simeon was from, but... The word Niger means black, and a lot of Bible scholars think that he was, his likely had dark complexion, was likely from, from Africa. And the next guy, there's no doubt, Lucius of Cyrene. Cyrene was part of northern Africa, what's now Libya. So you've got people from all over the world, different ethnicities, all sorts of stuff. Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. So here we got a guy. Herod was the, the, the ruler over the Jewish people in Israel and as a kind of puppet of the Roman government. But this guy had grown up in this place of power and prestige. But he was part of this, this mix, a very eclectic people. Um, and Saul, you know, it's funny, Saul's the most famous person in the book of Acts, but he doesn't get any description here, it's just, and Saul, but he was, he was also from Turkey, from the city of Tarsus. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And so here these the churches gathered and these leaders of the church, these prophets and teachers are devoting themselves for a period of time to fasting and prayer, to being the church, to saying God we want to know what you're saying, we want to hear you, we want to be part of your purposes in the world so Lord, with you, we were praying in alignment with with your will, with you doing what you want to do in the world today. And we're listening to you. And here they were, different, different people of different nationalities, different cultures, different socioeconomic backgrounds, brought together because of what the Lord Jesus Christ had done in their hearts and made them a community. And as they're in this place, they hear the Holy Spirit speak to them and say, hey, set apart these two this work that I've called for them and so they lay their hands on Barnabas and Saul and they sent them off on what became the what was known as the first missionary journey Paul's Saul became Paul his first missionary journey and that journey took the gospel throughout much more of the known world and really like that journey changed the world like we are still reading the letters written to those churches that were started in those cities And this, as the gospel began to go out into all of the world and transforming sinners to to reconciling them to God and reconciling them to one another and bringing the hope, God's hope and God's redemptive, restorative purpose into the whole world. It it went from that group of people, just a few, like, you know, you'd probably see that group in that room and you'd be like, "Eh, you know, there are a lot more important things going on in this city than this. But, no, there was nothing more important than what was happening in that original activist organization. Of people coming together, seeking God, hearing from Him, and being sent out, and changing the world. And that's that's how it's happened ever since then. I'm I'm thankful in my own life. My parents were uh, inspired by the whole missionary idea. And when I was 10 years old, they moved to Asia, moved to Taiwan. And I had the privilege of growing up for a good chunk of my childhood... In, in Asia and experiencing you know being part of a different culture and being part of the church in a different culture and really seeing that there was an international community and part of that international community was business people but really the most life the most community was people that were there because of their love of Jesus and their being part of his mission and there was this sense of, of cultures coming together I I came to college back here in Kansas I went to KU and was part of Morningstar Church there as it was just starting. And the first, there were two other students there before me that were part of our, our campus ministry, and they were both from Malaysia. And one of them, many of you know, Che Lim. She's about this tall. If you see her driving her car down the street, you will only see a car driving down the street. It's like, wait, that doesn't look safe. But and it was crazy, like, just from the beginning. Like I love how, like... The essence of God brought together people from different cultures and places, and that has been my experience of the church. And now I've got friends from that group of people who are around the world serving God in different areas of society. And here at Bluemont even, I'm, you know, we have a long ways to go. But I'm so thankful that God is, like, the work of the gospel is the thing the world needs. The work of the church is the thing the world needs. We were Yesterday we were setting up stuff in here, and, those, the speakers, someone made a comment about, like, man, the next thing we need to replace is those speakers, because they're the oldest part of our church, actually, just about. (laughs) They're the oldest thing we own. They were original purchase, and the way we were able to purchase them, just one of the first people who came to faith when we started ministry here, was an international student at K-State named Ostra Skuiti, and she ended up being, we didn't know anything about her when our friend Lori met her sitting in the union, looking at her, her bank statement, confused, not knowing what was going on. But she actually won three national championships in track and field, and then went on and won a silver medal in the heptathlon, in the Olympics. And she was rewarded by her, her nation of Lithuania with some, and some sponsors with some, some funds, some nice little payment for that. And with her offering and her tithe, that's what we bought our first sound system with. Here. And so those speakers are because this international student got saved and became part of this community. And really, it's just, it could go on and on and on. You know, I was just thinking about, man, all the Hispanics that have been a part of our community and just like, wow, I'm so thankful that we have gotten to be part of a multi ethnic culture that is really like building God's kingdom and not, you know, in, in so, and learning in so many ways. And so that's what, that's what the church does. God's kingdom comes to the world. Through the church. God's kingdom comes to the world through the church. And I just, man, I hope is that of all these millions of people that are yearning for answers and to be part of something, that those millions of people will find themselves joining with God's people. Because that's where it's actually gonna change. Um, This the church is the organization that's in the most places in the world. You go to most villages. Or cities in the world, you will find God's people gathered together, loving him, looking to serve. And we got a lot of weaknesses. We got a lot of problems. We're we're a bunch of boneheads. But God has chosen, because it's only people that are being transformed by him that can change the world. In, In Matthew 16, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. And in verse 18, he's asked a question about who do people say that I am. And Peter says, by revelation, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the King, the Son of the Living God. And Jesus says, yes, blessed are you, because that you didn't figure that out by yourself. But God has chosen you and revealed himself to you. And in verse, verse 18, Peter says this, he says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock... I will build my church. And I believe that rock is not only the person of Peter, but it's the revelation that he had that Jesus is the Christ. That's what Jesus builds his church on. But on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven there's a lot there. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. I could say the gates of racism will not stand against Jesus' church. The gates of poverty will not stand against Jesus' church. The, the gates of family brokenness and dysfunction will not stand against Jesus' church. Government programs can't do that good human efforts can't do that they've the more and if you look like and there's the laws can't do that there's we need good laws we need government programs the right ones but apart from being connected to, to Jesus and God's word none of that the place where we, we try to solve these problems apart from God it just gets worse it's just if we look at where have government programs come and tried to solve these problems we look, 50, 60 years later, since our war on poverty started, and the federal answers to to poverty, it is much worse now than it was then. Because that is not the answer that actually changes things. But the gates of hell cannot stand against the church. It's interesting, the word Jesus used for, for his people, the church, is Jesus did not choose a religious word. He could have used the word, the the Hebrew word for, for synagogue, which was where the religious gathering where people came together. But he didn't choose that word, he used the word ekklesia. And ecclesia is not a religious word, it's a political word. The ekklesia, it really means Congress or like a city commission. That's what ekklesia is. The ekklesia were in, in ancient Greek, if you studied in history where democracy first started, When the Greeks in their city states, they would elect people to be their leaders and to form a body that would go and wrestle with the issues that their community was facing and come up with the proposals and the answers and the laws for their community. That was the ecclesia. That was the body of people that, it was, ecclesia means those called out to rule, those called out to rule. And so that's not how most of us think about church, right? We think about the place where you've got like really religious pictures of Jesus on the wall and pink pastel colors and, you know, it's just like a very like maybe irrelevant sort of like spiritual idea. But the ecclesia is those called out to serve and to rule. And that's what God has made his people to be. And so... It's incredible. Jesus said, what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. There is, it takes spiritual power, spiritual authority to bring actual change in the world around us. And that is the authority God has given each one of us to carry out in our lives. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and do what I said earlier now. And look at the the piece of paper in the middle of your table, if you want to grab that. Like I said, each one of you have a different scripture passage. Most of them are shorter. A couple of them are kind of longer. So if you got that one, um, you're, you're chosen. You're special. You're the ecclesia. But we're going to take like five minutes to read through that and then answer these two questions, Well, uh, maybe, maybe five to ten minutes. Um, we'll see how this goes. But what do these verses tell us about the church and what kind of lifestyle? Does God call the ecclesia to? Okay? And those are on your, the pieces of paper there. What do these verses tell us about the church, and what kind of lifestyle does God call the ecclesia to? So go ahead, read that over, and then talk about that. And then we'll have a chance to throw um, some of your thoughts and answers out for all of us to, to hear. Go for it. It is on the screen here, too. Okay. And we thought that you were just talking about this, that you were right on, um, that the church is called to go out and bless people. Like right? uh, huh. You can have all the protesting and everything, but if, if it's not what the church and what the church is really standing for, then you really are doing it in vain. Uh-huh. The church can come in <clears throat> and love on people, love on communities. and. Uh, just be a blessing to people and make the whole earth better. And and we also said that there can even be some benefits to the people that aren't even Christians, like those Mm -hmm. that buy into the the culture, even if they're not Christians, they still benefit from the church blessing. There's a blessing that comes with with the church of God's truth. Yeah, awesome. Not just for... People who are in, but for the whole world, yeah. It's good. Awesome. Man, your table is good. I mean, this is good, so (laughs) that's great. Good, all right. I know this was a good table because I was hearing them.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That should discourage people from being leaders. I do think that we need everybody in the church to hold through that and help uh, keep, keep the leaders in line. And I, we also talked about, um, you know, I think it feels that the, the, you know, the, the, the church has kind of hadn't lived up to some of the
0: It's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I love in that it starts out saying it's good if you desire to be a leader in the church. You're basically encouraging people to aspire to that. And then it says, and these are the characters you need to have, the character qualities. So it's calling us up to be those kind of people, um, which are achievable for, like, for followers of Jesus. It's not like you have to be super talented, but are you willing to grow and develop that character? Good. Um, one or two more. There was I was curious if anybody had any of axe passages had any insights, because I think there's a lot in there. It's all of us. All of them were good. Okay.
2: I'm trying to get both through 11 it's about the time at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell on them and um, and then it talks about uh, how they spoke in different tongues and 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 people of all different areas actually understood in their own language even though these were Galilean speaking and one of the questions was what kind of lifestyle does God call us to mm-hmm. and we just felt like in our group where where there's good community and love other people are attracted. Hmm. And Bo was talking about how they've started to invite couples into their home, and those couples want to bring other couples. Hmm. And I even just got a text from an international friend this morning, Mossy, saying, I wish I could come for coffee. Hmm. And she used to say, um, though she wasn't a believer, she would say, I love your church friends better than my friends. And when they moved, she said, we need to find a church so we can find friends. Hmm. So community, you know, to
0: yeah. lots people. Right. Yeah. So good. Yeah, so good. Well, there's a lot to, to chew on there. And actually, uh, in your handout, there's a list of all those scriptures. So if you want to just dive into those this week on your own, I would encourage that. Those would be some great passages just to, like, to read. And meditate on and look at who God's calling us to be. Um, but you know really it's just God believes in the local church. God believes in like his plan to bring healing and wholeness is through through the local church. And it's what he calls us to invest our lives in. And you know, this whole summer our theme is that now matters later. Kind of like not just think not just like reacting to things and, oh man, what do I need to do to like get what I want right now? But the idea of investing our lives in such a way that will bring something down the road that really pays off for us and those around us and the world. And the investing in a local church really is a great investment. It's a great place to invest our lives. It's where God calls us to invest our lives. It's where he invests his life in his plan. And so... I really want to just you know make sure we're being we're practical too. You know it can be like oh yeah the ecclesia the like the parliament that's cool, but it comes down to like how do I invest my life? And I just want to end with just kind of three points about that. Um, how do we invest in the ecclesia? The first first point first part of this is that it's really the starting point is it starts with believing loyalty to Jesus. You know that's part of why the church. To what people see as the church today isn't really very impressive, is because there are a lot of, it's possible to have the name church, but it's people that aren't believing in Jesus, haven't been transformed by Jesus, haven't acknowledged their sin and turned from it and put their faith in Jesus, and then begun a life of faithfulness and loyalty to him as our king. And so the starting point for all of us is, hey, how do I, How am I in the church? It's not because we walk through these doors. It's because I say no to the old things that used to rule my life. And I say yes to Jesus and receive a new heart and a changed life. And now I'm living with growing loyalty to him. And so it starts with believing loyalty to Jesus. That's that's what the church actually is. Um, the second thing is it's about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Acts 2 passage talked about that. But we can, like, if we're just trying to, like, make a difference, change the world in our own power... It ain't going to do anything. This is, but when we are saying, God, fill me with your spirit, I want more of you in my life. I want you to empower me, then he does. And it's that. That's why it's spirit-filled churches that, that bring different ethnicities together, that have reconciliation going on, because it's really the work of God's spirit that does this. And so, man, when we don't know what to do, say, God, give, give me more of your spirit. I yield to you. I ask you to fill me. And it's just walk, doing that over daily, asking God to fill us, that, that really changes things. And then the third thing is intentionally, this is getting real practical, intentionally giving my time, talent, and treasure. Intentionally giving my time, talent, and treasure to other people. Um, and I love how, and Elaine's going to talk about this later, but the, the big, biggest thing we're doing this summer starting, not this week, but next week is the Tactics Project which is we have, we're, as a church, we're encouraging people to read through the book Tactics, and it's a book that is all about how to communicate with people that have objections or questions um, about God, and kind of, as it says, put a rock in their shoe. Like, give them something to where, like, man, they can't, like, not, like, just kind of being perturbed by their current way of thinking is like, wait, there's something wrong with that. I need to deal with that. Um, we're going to be going through that and having different small groups, both community, students, everybody. The students will be in conjunction with students on other campuses and other cities, too. But I want to encourage everybody to, to sign up for this. Um, buy a book this week on Amazon. It's Tactics. And this will be a place for us to grow in our ability to really um, expand God's life to others. So it's investing our lives, though, in, in other people and bringing our gifts and talents And our treasure, too. You know, it it takes treasure. Some of the, the Acts passages were all about, like, man, people didn't consider anything their own, but they brought what they had and gave it to God's purpose, gave it to God's community. I was just in the last week. Two buildings came across my radar that were both like, those would be pretty awesome church buildings. Like, that could be really neat if, like, if that was a place for us to move. Like, those could be great places for us to have a more permanent presence, and offer things throughout the week, and really be more visible, but just really be in the community more and serving, that would be awesome. And I would have just like pulled out my wallet and bought one of them, if my wallet had the money. (laughs) But the price tag, they're both asking like a million dollars. And so I'm like wrestling with God, is this something we should go for? Should we be trusting you for one of these? But knowing like, okay, that, if it is, man, that's going to take some some moolah. That's going to so okay, God, is this something we should do? So anyway, I don't know if that's what we're supposed to do. It's something we're going to be talking about praying praying over, but whatever it is, the purpose God calls us to it takes our time, it takes our talent, and it takes our treasure. And as we as we believe this, it's played out by us investing what we have in, in Him and His family, His purpose, and that changes the world. So um, yeah, that's what I got for today, uh, we're gonna <coughs> worship together, actually, no, Elaine's coming up next, so, yeah, um, yes, go ahead, maybe, Elaine, can you just pray for us, too, and as you start off, that would be great, Thanks.